We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. More memories are made when you're there for live NFL action. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com NFL. to Solo Ship Week 5. I'm Squirrel Patrol. I'm joined by J.M. Tolin from One Week Season. Uh, J.M., I, I remembered we had a pretty good show last week when Devin emailed us during week. said, hey, do you guys happen to have any winning screenshots I can use to like, <laughs> promo uh, this, this upcoming week's show? Uh, how, was your, how was your week four? It was good, man. It was, it was um, you know how it is. Like, you can always second place finishes are tough, right? Cause you're like, Oh, so close. And it was, it was my third second place finish of the season across three separate weeks, but um, also grabbed a first place finish in the chop block and uh, second place finish in the single entry double spy. And it goes back to what we've talked about a lot in this show of approaching single entry, just a little bit differently than the field and um, you know, building more than one single entry roster on a weekend or having more than one single entry roster in play. Because the roster that finished second wasn't, uh, it had some pieces and, and some construction stuff that it wasn't like something I would have gone out of my way to hand build and say, this is a single entry roster. And instead it was a roster I saw out of my 150 max and was like, oh, I really like this one. Marked it down as one of my favorites and, and put it into the $200 double spy. And um, and yeah, you know, that that kind of gives you that a little, little bit of extra edge when you can approach things that way. And then uh, looks like you had a, a qualifier takedown with some Justin Fields as well. I did, yeah. Justin Fields, I uh, put Alvin Kamara in them in there uh, as at the running back spot. Got 13 receptions. It was Fanduel. You uh, you had that call last week, didn't you? Yeah, that he was going to be the highest scoring running back. That did not work out, but I mean, he did he did decently. Yeah, um, you know, with the 13 receptions, and uh, you know, it was a somewhat weak, you know, somewhat 
week week um, at at running back. Um, that was the high dollar FanDuel qualifier again that I won, um, and with my main number one single entry lineup, it was like I should have just played that lineup. Maybe I should just do single entry, right? <laughs> like just play one lineup. Um, but you know that that lineup probably would not have done as well in a bunch of other tournaments, um, just because had Javante Williams, who was a great price on FanDuel, but um, yeah, got injured pretty early. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so uh, didn't didn't have an outstanding score, but it was enough to take down first place in a twenty-something person qualifier. They get to me another FanDuel lot final seat. Nice, nice. Yeah, I mean, we've had. I think we've both had a pretty pretty nice start to the season, and I usually start kind of slow. Usually like week six, seven is when I really start hitting my stride. So um, yeah, I'm excited for what's ahead. Excited to see. I said to you before we got on air, I said, what are we doing this week? Who are we, who are we playing? Cause it's a weird, it's a weird week. And I'll say on my end, what I see is like most of the most popular plays aren't nearly as good as, as the ownership numbers are going to imply, but there also aren't other plays where it's like, Oh, these should actually be the chalk instead. You get what I'm saying? So it's like nothing like stands out as clearly better than those plays, just that those aren't as good a plays as the field is going to think. Um, so it could be a week where you, you know, you're right on fading certain pieces of chalk, but then you still don't, it doesn't matter because you're on the wrong pieces anyway. But uh, yeah, it'll be, be, be an interesting week for sure. Right. It is. So it's, we're down to 10 games uh, with the London game and the first week of buys. It's uh, 10 games on the main slate, which is one of the smaller main slates in recent memory. And when I talk about memories, I should mention that more memories are made when you're there for live NFL action. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze, and you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash NFL. Now that I've casually mentioned that, uh, I should go on. We also, you know, we have 10 games on the slate. Some of them, you know, pretty broad range of, of totals. Some of them are pretty low, but there's actually something that I kind of like in, in every single game. Uh, maybe not, you know, for single entry, but I think like every single game will have something represented in my, my 150 lineup build um and then we also have some interesting injury situations uh and it's not so much injury situations as it is guys returning from injury so may not be you know as relevant this week as it is in in future weeks but like we've got cooper cup coming back jonathan taylor making his return like, i haven't really parsed through like how i'm going to handle those guys my guess is i'm going to end up pretty much ignoring them <laughs> like maybe play them in some game stacks I don't know if either of them is going to be a main piece of my single entry builds this week. Have you, have you thought about those guys returning from injury and how you're going to handle them? Yeah. Jonathan Taylor's price is uh, pretty absurd, but also his offensive line hasn't played great so far this year. And he's taking on a run defense that we just, or I just completely avoid week in and week out in the Tennessee Titans uh, Cooper cup, you know, listening to Sean McVay on, on Tuesday, he sounded like, like Cooper cup looked like 100% himself. And so there's the understanding that game shape for NFL is different from being in shape. Right. And coming back from a hamstring injury, it's harder to stay in that like high level of, of shape. But I would, I would personally guesstimate that cup plays like 70% of the snaps. And um, I also brings to mind, 
you know, two weeks ago, Wandell Robinson played 11 snaps, but saw five targets because they're like, well, when he's out there, we're going to, we're going to use him. Uh, Cooper Cup, I would think that, that he clears double digit targets um, without too much difficulty. I think that when he's out there, they're going to try to get him the ball. I think he'll be out there in most high leverage situations, most passing situations. So I think that he's very viable this week. And um, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at on those two guys. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is also coming back to it. You know, a Colts team that has Anthony Richardson now, which is going to be a little bit of a different environment. I, I, I'm putting Anthony Richardson as one of my favorite like low-owned plays, you know, less than, than 10% owned plays. Cause I, I do think like if you if you say that he's played you know two and a quarter games so far, he's averaging over 30 fantasy points per game at the quarterback position. Uh, but you know, a lot of those have been the rushing production. And now he might have like a stellar running back returning. It's actually giving me a little bit of pause on that, on being so high on Anthony Richardson. Uh do you think he could eat into Richardson's you know, production so far that he's shown this year? I don't necessarily think so. I think that the, I think the matchup is the biggest deterrent to, to playing Richardson just because Tennessee is not only a good run defense, but also so opponent specific, right? So obviously they're going to have something cooked up where they're like, this is what we think will give Richardson fits. But I, I just think that, you know, we've seen, we saw Zach Moskett, what was it, like 30 carries a couple weeks ago. Uh, maybe that was the Gardner Minshew game, but, um, but no, I mean, I think that, that it opens, if anything, you know, it opens up lanes for, um, for and we've seen the Ravens teams in the past, you know, constantly get Lamar Jackson, 10 carries while running backs are combining for 20 plus carries. So no, I don't think it necessarily takes away from Richardson's ability to get those carries and get that production on the ground. But I, I also, you know, like I think your perspective on it is equally sharp, right? Like we don't actually know. Um, I think it, the truth could lie somewhere in the middle or on one of those extremes for sure. Uh, so I guess one other injury situation that's possibly creeping up on us is uh, in, Amon Ross St. Brown didn't, didn't practice on, on Friday. We're, you know, we taped this about three o'clock on, on Fridays. So missing practice on Friday is not a great sign, and Detroit has one of the higher implied run totals on the week. Uh, but they're also in a game where you know they've got a, a ten point advantage on, on Carolina. Uh, like, what do you think about that Monroe St. Brown injury situation? Would that lessen your interest in Detroit? Um, do you have any interest in Detroit to begin with, with them being ten point favorites? And I guess where would that interest lie? I don't. I don't have major interest in their passing. If if St. Brown's playing, I probably won't be on any pieces from their passing attack. The it's just, it's a tough pass game matchup. It's in one of the easiest run game matchups. It's one of the biggest mismatches from like a run offense and a run defense. And it's a game that the lions should control. Realistically Goff probably throws for like 230, 240 yards. So if St. Brown's out though, you do have, you know, it's like, well, Josh Reynolds and Khalif Raymond, um, like these guys are underpriced for the fact that there will be, you know, some of the, this passing volume, uh, has to go somewhere. It doesn't really like spike. If you say like, okay, 10 targets for Amon Ross St. Brown typically, and then maybe they throw a little less. So eight targets. And then, you know, you give two of those to Reynolds and two of those to Khalif Raymond and, and one of those to Sam Laporta, one of those to Brock Wright and two of those to Jameer Gibbs. Like it doesn't actually boost anybody significantly, but it does make, you know, the Reynolds or, or oh, and Jameson Williams coming back on top of that. Right. So he gets a couple targets there. Um, yeah, I, I, it's not something that stands out to me. It's not something that I'm 
going out of my way to stay away from either, but it's not something that, that dramatically changes my approach on the weekend. Yeah. You actually mentioned a couple of guys that I, I was interested in. I forgot Jameson Williams actually fits that category of guys returning guys coming back, yeah. from contract situation, injury suspension things. Um, but it, I guess I've already said they were intending to kind of bring him along slowly. And I wonder if that changes. Um, I also wonder if it opens up a little bit of bigger role in the passing game for Jameer Gibbs. I'm kind of in like, gaining interest in as, as the week goes along. So I think David Montgomery is going to be pretty popular. And Gibbs is maybe a, a sharper play if he's getting more passing work, if Monroe St. Brown is out. And, you know, and then he's maybe leveraged off of David Montgomery. Yeah. I mean, I've played around with Gibbs this week and you know, there's, there's also, Hey, the outside shot, maybe he gets 12 carries. I think that it's one of those where we can paint the picture and then have to recognize that the picture is still not the likeliest picture, but he, he is sharp from an upside perspective is how I'm looking at him. He's in parentheses in my player pool, which is like, um, like Kenneth Gainwell was in parentheses for me last week. It's like the guys who, you know, they can put up the big game, but and, and they're nice leverage and they take away points from this this more popular guy. But the likeliest scenario is that they don't actually hit. Uh, that's kind of where Gibbs is for me. So you mentioned 12 carries actually reminds me we got to do our hot takes. Uh, do you have one prepared or I, I got one? They got one for you. Uh, my hot take is that Raheem Mostert will outscore Devon Achan this week at like whatever that'll be like one tenth of the ownership. All right. <laughs> um, so my hot take was going to be that uh, Devon Achan gets uh, 12 carries, but puts up 120 yards, lowers <laughs> his yards per carry down to an even 11 yards <laughs> per carry. I'm actually really high on Achan this week, uh, but I agree. Like Mostert is one of the players that it scares me, and that I actually think this reminds me a lot of. I was talking with Blunder about it. That it reminds me a lot of like the New Orleans backfield from about five years ago. We had Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. And the roles aren't necessarily the same. But it's the first time I would consider playing like two running backs from the same team in like a, in a game, you know, in a game stack. And I know that sounds like it's chasing the game log from a few weeks ago where they both scored four touchdowns and the team's not going to put up 70 points every week. But they still have the highest implied you know, point total on the week. Um, and I, I think HN might be like a special player. We'll see. We'll see how it evolves. But I mean, he's put up some like the fastest runs so far in, in NFL gameplay this year um and his numbers are just absurd uh and it, it seems like it's a good matchup so i'm interested in, in being over the field on him even though i think he's going to be pretty popular yeah this is a feeling of a clip that devin's going to be able to cut next week and uh and, <laughs> and use for a promo for the show no i've actually so here's the thing with that backfield the perception is like that it's been a changing of the guards h hands the the lead back now um he had 39 snaps last week Mostert had 28 a, that's not a huge gap between the two guys. Uh, B, Mostert had more snaps in the first half than when they were in comeback mode. A-Chan had more snaps. The way that this backfield was run last week was if it's a longer drive, whoever's starting the drive really isn't finishing it. So, you know, nine-play drive, Mostert starts it, and then at the end, A-Chan's coming in. Next drive, A-Chan starts it. Toward the end, Mostert's coming in. Uh, if one guy starts it and it's like a four- or five-play drive, then the other guy starts the next drive. So it's going to keep alternating. And I've looked at this. It's a thin week at running back. The Dolphins are should be in control of this game and are very comfortable, you know, turning the, the ball over to the run game when they have a big lead. So I think that this backfield has a pretty good shot at combining for 30 or more touches. Um, and so for me, I 
I've played around with potentially having like 55% HAN, 55% Mostert. And that would also leave, uh, you know, about 10% of rosters where you, I have both of them on there together. So yeah, that's kind of how I'm approaching it is like, not that playing the two of them together will be a staple for me, but it will be something I'll do on some rosters this week. And I expect, I don't know that that's the approach I'll go with the 55-55, but I expect to be overweight the field on both of them, but recognizing that Mostert is as good of a player, or at least almost as good of a player as Achan, and will be way lower owned. So yeah, fun that both of our hot takes centered around that backfield and kind of give us a chance to, to dive into that. But I think we're both seeing that spot the same way. Like both of these guys are sharp plays this week. The cool thing is that the field is only seeing one of these guys as sharp plays and we can gain a, an edge there, especially if Mostert is the one who outscores um, the other. Would you have any interest in then running it back with a Giants player? Are you, or do you, you know, play that as, as like, you know, maybe two Dolphins or more on the same roster and you don't need to run it back with a, with a Giants player? I don't think there, I don't think it's directly correlated, uh, you know, because the Dolphins can win 37 to 10. Uh, but there are, you know, Wondell Robinson, Jalen Hyatt. Uh, I, I like you know, Jalen Hyatt, such interesting leverage because he played, I believe he played as many snaps as Wondell Robinson last week, but everybody's going to be on Wondell Robinson. But yeah, I mean, there, there are plays on the Giants that make a lot of sense this week. And so um, I don't, you know, if those guys are putting up monster games, the Giants are passing more, right? So it's sort of correlated in, in that regard, but I don't think the production is directly correlated to where you have to have a bring back, but I'll, I'll certainly have plenty of rosters with, Dolphins backfield and, and Giants pass game pieces. Yeah, I, I wrote a whole Monday night article on on like who you know you should be looking out for in the Monday night game. And actually, you know, I, I, I pointed out Wandale Robinson and Jalen Hyatt, and then Hyatt like put nothing up on the <laughs> on the on the stat sheet. I mean, I, I think he had like one or two catches, but he, he's a player that I think could you know get some momentum as the season goes on. Actually, kind of like Darren Waller in this game as well. Agreed. I think. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Like he'll be maybe a little bit of leverage off of the Wandell Robinson, who I think is going to be overowned. I, I like him as a player, and he's clearly underpriced, but he's more of a like six receptions, fifty yards kind of guy. It's it's not going to kill you on rosters, um, but isn't necessarily going to you know give you a standout score. And maybe if he's having a poor game, like Darren Waller is a guy. Uh, I mean, especially in those those most uh, HN rosters, you know that that I have some interest in. Yeah, I described the Wondell Robinson thing like this. You know, you said he's clearly underpriced, and that's one of the things I've said is he should be priced about forty two to forty five hundred. But we see players at forty two to forty five hundred all the time put up eight points, nine points, twelve points, and that's that's his likeliest range. So from a salary standpoint, right? He's three K and he scores twelve points. You're like, oh, that's really good. But I also, you know, we we want to keep in mind that. Tank Dell scored 28 points at 3,600 and Adam Thielen scored 34 points at 3,900. Nico Collins scored 38 points at 5,100. Amari Cooper scored whatever was 30 points at 5,700. Like there's, there's guys who are going to put up 30, 25 to 30 points. And if you're taking up a roster spot with a guy who gets 12 and you're like, great salary multiplier, like that's still a roster spot that can't be used. You know, Head Chopper said a decade ago, and I've always remembered this, like every player put on your roster should also be thought of in context of what they take away from your roster. And so he takes away that opportunity for a guy who can get you 30 points, which isn't to be clear, isn't me saying Wondell Robinson's a bad play. I'll, I'll have plenty of Wondell Robinson exposure, but just to say like his ceiling in most scenarios is about 18 to 20 points. He probably gets you nine to 13 points. And if that happens, that's pretty nice at his price tag, but it's still, it just prevents you from, 
using that roster spot in the guy who might get you 30. Um, and, you know, just just because you're paying up doesn't mean you're getting the score that you wanted at the place you're paying up. Right. So um, you pay two mid range guys and they both get 25 or 30 as opposed to Wandell for 10 and somebody else at the high end for 25. You're, you're way behind the field in that second scenario. So, yeah, I don't think that he's some smash play, but he is very clearly underpriced as well. That actually brings up one of the things I think is a, is a really good point for all DFS is that in any sport, when you're paying down for that value guy, you're really banking on the, the expensive guys in your rosters doing really well. Like that's really more of a bet on the most expensive guys yeah. on the salary yeah. list, not necessarily a bet on on the 3,000 guy, unless you really like maybe an NBA or something, you'll, you'll see a situation where oh, this 3,000 guy could actually be one of the top raw point scorers. But usually it's about value. And then usually that value means you're actually making a bet on like Justin Jefferson, you know, uh, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, which brings me to our <laughs> to the uh, last game that has kind of a standout point total, the, um, the Minnesota-Kansas City game. Like, is this a game you think it'll be overweight on, um, underweight on? Do you think it like hits the point total? Like, how, how are you going to handle this game? Because it is it's very expensive to get all those pieces. I don't really, you know, for me, ownership, isn't a massive part of my process. Um, so I don't know like where I'll be compared to the field. I'll have exposure on it, but it's not, it doesn't stand out to me as like a, it's not, um, you know, one week this year I had Josh Allen on 44% of my rosters or something like that. Right. It's not like one of those spots where I'm like going out of my way to just overload on, on this spot or, or, you know, um, the week I had like Mike Williams on, on 44% of my rosters and Keenan Allen on 30%. Like, it's not like a spot like that, uh, but it's clearly a good spot, right? Uh, the, I do want to like quickly go back to what you were saying about the value stuff. The optimizers are always going to push in those types of rosters too, because optimizers are trying to optimize your median projection and essentially build you the best cash game roster. And, um, so because of that, like those cheap guys with the expensive guys become that much more popular. But as, as you said, if it's, if Jefferson puts up 30 points, that's great. But if he puts up 30 and Wondell Robinson puts up uh, 10, like you're probably falling behind. There's somebody else in the tournament that's using that 12 K 12.4 K in salary better and getting a much better score. Um, yeah. So I, that kind of brings it to like, can Kelsey and Mahomes be, had to have it pieces, right? Not just, oh, it's a nice score. So the answer is yeah, right? Like like we've seen Kelsey put up 38 and 44 point scores over the last couple seasons. And that's mostly dependent on does he get a three touchdown game or not? So yeah, I mean, I like that spot. It's also, it's a spot that I could easily see Kelsey put up, put up you know, 19, Mahomes put up 25, um, you know, Jefferson put up 24 or something like that. I could easily see it shake out like that. So it's an interesting spot to play around with, but it's not a spot that just like leaps off the screen because of just the way that the the Kansas City offense is run and because of how good their defense has been. Um, it's not something where it's just like, oh my God, got to get pieces from this game. Yeah, I'll probably end up a little bit underweight on the game um, and maybe even a little bit underweight on on Travis Kelsey and, and Patrick Mahomes in particular. Like, definitely not going to like full bait and. I think for single entry, I think it's fine. Like you can play like Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, but then you're really, you know, it's a straw. Like, are you then skipping Justin Jefferson? Because if you're not, you have very little salary to use like (laughs) the rest of your roster. And I think a lot of those value pieces are going to be kind of owned on that kind of roster. Like you're going to see a lot of 
the, of the, a lot of the rosters that have uh, Mahomes, Justin Jefferson, and Travis Kelsey are going to have Wondell Robinson, Rasheed Rice, uh, maybe Joshua Downs or, or Michael Wilson, uh, and like one other like really cheap wide receiver. And so you're going to have a lot of overlap with those rosters. And I think actually the Tennessee defense is going to be pretty popular as well. I know we don't like we don't always hit on defense, um, but actually that's one of the things that makes me like Colts players and Anthony Richardson a little bit more is I think you might see a, a you know double digit ownership on the Titans defense. Um, I guess one other high point total game I forgot about is the Eagles and Rams. Um, Love that game. Yeah. So yeah, is that is that probably your favorite out of the three higher point total games on the week? Yeah, I don't know that I've thought of it that way as far as favorite, but it it is um there's the, all these games it's kind of like the whole slate. Like I said at the top, right? Like the chalk isn't as good. All these plays that were like oh these guys will be popular. They're not as good as the field thinks. Um but then it's like it's not like we can then just say oh and this other spot is is better than those spots. And so that's kind of how I see these top games is like, oh, there's things to like in these games, but also they could go the wrong way or the, the production couldn't be there. But I do really like this, this Rams Eagles game. And it's a game that I'll have uh, like a pretty decent amount of exposure to. I really like Stafford in this game in terms of, uh, you know, we're always trying to find running quarterbacks. But if it's not the running quarterback, I typically want the guy under 6K who can go for 300 yards and three touchdowns. He's gone for 300 yards three times. The Eagles have allowed 290 plus three times. Uh, the touchdowns just haven't been there, but the Eagles have given up the third most passing touchdowns in the league, only one rushing touchdown. So it's a good spot for Stafford to put up, you know, 25 to 30 point game as a pocket passer as well. I think this game actually really accentuates the difference between FanDuel and DraftKings. I actually, I, I read an article like on the Road to Grinders um, Optimal Stacks tool. And one of the weirdest things I've seen it show, what it was showing earlier this week, it showed Jalen Hurts as being like the highest leverage quarterback on FanDuel. Like he was not being played as much, you know, our projected ownership at the time on Wednesday, like had him way under his optimal percentage. And it was the opposite on DraftKings. He was the lowest leverage, like quarterback on DraftKings. Like he was playing, being played way too much, (laughs) like given just about the same ownership percentage on DraftKings. I think on DraftKings, yeah, it would you you get a lot of savings by dropping down from like a Hertz quarterback to a, a Matthew Stafford. Stafford can get the 300 yard bonus. You know, that's three points. And those like the like rushing yards and rushing touchdown possibilities that he's missing out on, like don't count as much against you on DraftKings. Like those count more when you're only getting a half point perception on the rest, or a half point per reception on the rest of your roster. Up uh, on FanDuel, like that's like I don't see myself dropping below the price of your quarterbacks on, on FanDuel. So like, I think a great way to maybe play this game is, is use a lot of Jalen Hurts on FanDuel and use a lot of Matthew Stafford on DraftKings. Yeah, I like that. And, and you know, the thing is, if Josh Allen last week, Josh Allen put up 38 points, well, then you want the expensive quarterback. So the question is always, does one of the expensive guys put the slate out of reach if not, if they get you the 27 to 30 point, like if you get 30 points from Hertz, you're not complaining. The problem is that somebody else in that tournament probably found 25 plus points from a cheaper quarterback. I mean, Josh Dobbs has games of uh, 23 and 25 points in his last three games and, you know, probably puts up 23 to 25 again this week. Like I like Josh Dobbs a lot too at 5,200. So if you get like, if you get 23 or 25 points from Dobbs or you get 27 points from Matthew Stafford, all of a sudden, you know, and Hertz puts up 27 to 30. Well, now you're way ahead of those Hertz rosters. So um, 
Hertz is on my list, but he's not, you know, I'm not going overweight, like super overweight on him. Same thing with Mahomes. And then there's these, some of these cheaper guys who, um, this is a, an interesting week to, you know, CJ Stroud getting low ownership, Daniel Jones with the rushing upside in the super low floor that you hate playing them, but you know, you have to, uh, Matthew Stafford, Josh Dobbs. Those are kind of these cheaper guys who it's like, Oh, well, like one of these guys probably puts up over 23 points, probably over 25 points and ends up being a really nice piece on this slate. Mentioned Josh Dobbs. I, th- I think if I, you know, especially on, on DraftKings, if I'm dropping down, I think that's a interesting quarterback play. I think like, cause I think most people are going to be going to the Bengals side. I, I think the Bengals could see a lot of ownership here. Um, depends on like the T Higgins injury situation, I guess like Irv Smith is maybe questionable too. Um, but I think Jamar Chase could then be very popular. Um, I guess the Bengals are missing two receivers. I'd probably be more inclined to play a lot of Tyler Boyd. Um, but I don't know how high I'm going to be on the Bengals situation. Uh, like Joe Barrow can't move. Uh, but then again, we don't know, like maybe this is the week where he's feeling a lot better. Uh, so I'm kind of interested in game stacking this game or leaving it alone. I think maybe those game stacks are going to have Joshua Dobbs uh, and not so much Joe Burrow. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the Cardinal side of this game a lot. <laughs> like, honestly, if you take away names and, and, and biases, and just look at analytics. The Cardinals are have been a good offense, and the Bengals have been a bad defense. And this is a good matchup for them. And um, you know they're they're gonna they're. I mean, Josh Dobbs had what was it, twelve rush attempts last week, and six rush attempts the week before. You know he's got forty or more rushing yards in three straight games. They're proactively getting him out of the pocket, getting him on the run. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I like I like that Arizona side quite a bit. I was, you know, I was looking up all these Devon HN stats, um, you know, trying to write up my blurbs. And I, I saw that he has like four, he's one of two running backs that has four rushes of 20 or more yards on the season. The other is James Conner, which I never <laughs> would have expected, right? That's the opposite of what I think of with James Conner. Is that, yeah. you know, I think, oh, he's going to, you know, four yards, five yards at a time. Oh, he's, he'll add a little bit in the passing game. Uh, but, you know, he's a good, good cash game play. Like, yeah, I mean, this, this Arizona team, like I, I think I said it in week one, like, oh, Arizona might not be as bad as we think. And we, everybody just assumes like these teams are tanking from the start. They're going to go 0 and 17 or whatever. Um, they're actually looking pretty decent. And yeah, like nobody wants to play these guys. Like nobody wants to play Zach Ertz. I mean, you, he like shows up as an optimal play. Like, I think uh, Marquise Brown will get a, a pretty good amount of ownership. I think he's going to show up as a, as a good value play. Like, yeah, there's a bunch of guys on this roster that you can play. Um, so yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite ways to, to play that Cincinnati games actually just with the, with the Arizona guys. I agree. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to be rolling out some wacky single entry rosters this week with Josh Dobbs and, uh, and, and double dolphins backfield. But, um, but it's <laughs> like, what I like about this slate is if you can look and see, okay, well, the chalk isn't as good as, as the ownership numbers indicate, then you, it kind of frees you up to take swings on other places that, you know, maybe they miss, but they also have the ceiling to hit and you can zoom way past those kind of chalkier builds. So um, yeah, the James Conner one, like James Conner is very interesting to me. The, the Cardinals rank, I think it's like second in the NFL in yards before contact per attempt. And um, the Bengals run defense has surprisingly been just atrocious and they've gotten hammered by big bodied running backs, obviously guys with more talent than Connor and, and Nick Chubb and uh, Derrick Henry. 
Uh, and then the Ravens, you know, kind of big-bodied Gus Edwards-led backfield. But they've given up 100-plus yards to all three of those backfields, 140-plus to two of those backfields. And, um, yeah, James Conner, again, he's not going to kill you at 5,800 because he probably gets you those 15 to 20 points. But also he can put up a, a 25 to 30-pointer, and nobody's going to really – go out of their way to, to play him. And you mentioned Ertz, right? Ertz dropped a touchdown pass at the end last week. So it's, I think the very sharp people, they're always like, dude, don't play Ertz. Like he, he's a fish play. He just gets a bunch of empty, like low short, like short area volume. But it's like, well, he keeps putting up like 11 points just through that short area volume. If he caught that touchdown pass last week, that's an extra catch, the extra yards, the touchdown, it was, that's, that's 19 points. And it was like a ball that hit him in his hands and just bounced off right at the end of the game. Um, all of a sudden he's at 19 points and people are like, Oh, you got to play Zach Ertz at 4k. And now he's 3,500 and people are gonna be like, yeah, but it's not sharp to play him. So yeah, the whole offense is, is definitely interesting. All right. So we, we touched on most of the kind of big name, big total games, any other games that like, or any other pieces from the lower total games we didn't mention um, that are standing out to you? I think, we kind of touched briefly on on the uh, Houston Atlanta game. Like I described that earlier as, as a game, I think I'll play about five percent in my one fifty builds, like stacks from that game. So I think it, you know it's in a dome, can go off, um, and I think there is one way to play it: is C.J. Stroud as the quarterback, B. John Robinson as a running back. Multi, you know, two pick two from your Houston wide receivers. Maybe you could do like a Drake London on that roster, but like man, Atlanta, it's like not looked good in the passing game for about 18 months now. Um, any, like, any interest in that game or any of the other games like Baltimore, Pittsburgh, um, or New Orleans, New England? Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's right where my head is at on that uh, Texans game is like 5 to 7% Stroud, recognizing that it's not the best matchup through the air, but that ownership is like way underrating the potential for that spot. Pair it with Bijan, pair it with, um, you know, Tank or Nico or both. Um, and then the... Um, Patriots, Patriots, um, Saints game I'll be off of, including I, I don't expect to have Kamara on my rosters besides like maybe accounting for since he'll be so popular. Um, obviously, he's going to catch 13 passes again. <laughs> uh, since he'll be so popular, I'll probably account for him on like 4% of my large field build. Right. Say, well, what if he does? Um, and I am not I'm not saying there's no way he posts 20 to 25 points. I just I think there's a pretty low chance that I get buried for not having played him. And so um, I just plan to kind of stay mostly off that spot. Um, the only spot we really didn't touch on from my perspective is the, uh, the Jets offense where um, Zach Wilson, dude, this actually looked pretty good. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what that really means for Zach Wilson, right? He probably throws for 250 yards, which Josh Dobbs probably does as well and adds more rushing yards. But I think in terms of him supporting, you know, cast, I think that he can can do that this week. Yeah, I actually realized after listing the games we didn't talk about, I even forgot to be <laughs> the Jets brought game. <laughs> um, and that's actually it's a game I've heard a lot of people talking about and saying they want to be, you know, over the field on Zach Wilson. I don't see it that way. I, I'm not sure Zach Wilson's even to make my 150 set. I do have some interest in this game. Because I think people are looking at last week's game and go, like, Zach Wilson looked decent, and now they're going against, like, a really bad Broncos defense. And I think the Jets are looking at it and thinking, like, Zach Wilson looked decent, and now Brees Hall is going against, you know, a really bad Broncos defense. So I think I'm going to play some Brees Hall, and I think that, you know, maybe I, I run that back, you know, with a you know with a Broncos wide receiver. Or maybe, maybe there's, like, a Russell Wilson 
uh, you know, Broncos wide receivers, Brees Hall kind of game stack you could use. I think that's more likely in my 150 sets in multi-entry. Um, I, yeah, I don't even know if Zach Wilson will break my multi-entry build. Yeah, I mean, for what it's worth, Zach Wilson looked really good against the Cowboys for three quarters given the matchup um, and looked really good against the Patriots in spurts and then looked really good for, you know, three quarters against the Chiefs and is now facing the Broncos. But I don't think that they – I don't think that that means he's going to throw for 300 yards, right? Like, I actually think that Zach Wilson looks – way better than the media portrayal of him has been and that the Chiefs game wasn't actually surprising in the context of some of the pieces he had been putting together leading up to that game. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he is worthwhile for DFS because I don't think that they're just going to call on him to like throw, chuck the ball downfield. It will be hard for him to get to 300 yards. So I think that he'll have a very good real life game. And I think that, that might mean something for Garrett Wilson. Um, I think Brees Hall is very, very interesting this week for sure. And yeah, that's, that's, I'll, I'll have some Zach Wilson, but it'll be, I'm not worried about what is the field doing. I'll be worried about like, where, how does he stack up to the other quarterbacks? For me, that's like maybe three to 4% of my builds um, on the week. And you know, who knows, but he's not a guy I'm like going overboard on. Yeah. You, you talked me into 1%. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> on DraftKings at least. Uh, any, any final thoughts to wrap things up? Interesting week. Interesting week. I think that there's, it's pretty wide open. And I think a lot of the chalk isn't, I think a lot of the chalk is chalk because of what this week provides for us, which is nothing that really stands out. And then chalk is always going to form regardless. So um, I guess parting, parting thoughts is don't get too hung up on the chalk and be willing to take some swings in other spots is how I'm seeing this week. Nice. Sage advice. Uh, that'll do it for week five of Solar Ship. Good luck, everybody. We'll see you next week.